0: Welcome to the Explorinate Podcast. <music>
1: Welcome back to Explominate guys. I'm your host, Battle Mode. And this week, we've got Drexy and Sean. Say hello, guys. Hello, guys. Hi, everyone. And Rob is not here. Unfortunately, he's uh, he's busy with the family. So we are going to be doing a Commonwealth episode. And I think this week, we're just going to take a look again at sort of 2022 and, and look forward a little bit to 2023 and just chat about some games that we were enjoying playing and the things that we're looking forward to. What do you say about that? Yeah, that yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. I think it's a good idea because um, rather than kind of pick a specific topic, I think people seem to like these conversational format ones. And I, I like doing these because it just allows us to, to sort of chat. Uh, just a little bit of a heads up. I am sick, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> I've actually currently signed off work. I'm not allowed to go back to work because I've got COVID. Um, and it's one of these weird fucking variants where it doesn't. It hasn't really affected my voice too badly this time. Um, but if I sound a bit weird, that's why I'm struggling to speak. So. I mean, I hope Drexy and Sean are going to do some of the talking for me tonight and not let me ramble on. Nah, we we we're going to put it all on you.
2: Yeah, well, Rob fired me. I'm not even supposed to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you don't even play Forex games, mate. No, so I didn't show up. But yeah, he can't fire me because he had. I told him he had to find a replacement, and he can't do that. So I'm back. <laughs> you should remind him that he can't fire you if he doesn't pay you. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> oh dear, I. Because you're here, Sean, and um, we also need to have a look at some tactics games, I think. And I know that all of all three of us like to play tactics games. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to throw in a curveball at the end as well. If we start talking about tactics, I'm going to try to get you guys to look at something that I've been playing and see what you think of it. um But yeah, do you ha- do you have anything specifically that you want to talk about about 2022? Any games that you've been playing that you've really liked, so that we can kind of have a little bit of a focus in on them.
2: See, I didn't actually play much that released in 2022. I've just been like super busy all year and I've had very limited time so I'm finding myself going back to more comfortable titles that I'm already familiar with I think, well there was Total War Warhammer 3, that was the big one I think that I've, I've really enjoyed this year and I also played Ixion, that city builder and I've, I've really enjoyed that, that's from the guys that made Warhammer 40k Mechanicus that's been a really good one too uh, yeah. I think that's probably my two highlights of this year uh, I have none
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, distant worlds 2 was the main thing i was looking forward to and yeah, i mean it's, i think I've, I've got some time off now so i think i'm gonna dive in again now but yeah i think i was uh hit pretty hard by how disappointing the release was on there but it seems to be picking up and people have been suggesting that there's a dlc coming so <clears throat> which is a bit early but i kind of think it needs it really just needs more content and hopefully, fingers crossed, more races. I think that's my biggest problem with it as well at the moment. Is uh, I don't know, it's just because you had so many races and so many playstyles, especially like playing little uh, Stellaris, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where the, the the one thing it does do well is making your own race, which I kind of wish this the Worlds Two had, or at least more races so you had different
1: playstyles. I, I can't say too much, right, because I'm under an NDA. But um, what I will say is that there is some content coming in Distant Worlds Two that I think people will like because I think it's going to. Yeah, I, 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 re- I can't, I can't really even dis- hint at it. I'm sorry, but I think that uh, the game has improved, and I'm, I'm still, I'm still in the closed beta, and I, I've been playing it recently, and I think it's a lot better. Uh, I'm not talking about the closed beta now. Now I'm specifically talking just about the, you know, the open. Version that is available to everybody. Um, and I've played this too, obviously. And I think that the core gameplay of Distant Worlds 2 hasn't changed really since release. All that's changed is quality of life, but it, boy, did it need it. <laughs> it. I mean, it needed it. It released in um, a substandard state. uh There's no denying that. But I think that the game has come on a long way. I still think that it's got some core issues, and these core issues are what is driving the community, you know, to kind of be a little bit hostile, I'd say, because I don't know if you guys watched Daz Tactics' Game of 2023. It was called, uh, you know, My Game of 2023 almost. And he, he did kind of like a top 10 list, but with some extra stuff in. It was interesting to see because Daz really, really likes Distant Worlds too. He's not glossing over the game's problems, but he I think he's less... I think he's less bothered by some of the core core issues that other people see and I was kind of interested to see his perspective on it because I'm sort of in the middle, right? Daz really loves it. I like it and it seems like the, I mean, I can only really speak about the for, the explorminate community but there's, there's a very ambivalent reaction to Distant Worlds 2 at the moment. Some people are enjoying it But I think the majority of people seem to think that it's good, but it's got a lot of problems. And there are a few people who really, you know, have been very critical about it, you know, in the the community saying this game's got some severe problems that are actually scuttling it completely. And I don't necessarily agree with all of those criticisms, but it's clear that the, you know, the, the jury's still out on the game. It is true, though, that the game has improved in a big, big way. And I don't think that there's any denying that. Nobody will deny that. Uh, CodeForce have been working hard to kind of fix the game up. And it's clear that it's had a lot of, you know, it's had a lot of the bugs fixed. Most of the bugs have been fixed. I couldn't play the game earlier in the year. It was just unplayable for me because it just kept crashing. Uh, Whereas they've completely fixed that now. It's just the game's really stable. Um, the, The frame rate is much better than it was. It's still a bit bound in the CPU. I think it seems to be CPU heavy. Rather than graphics processing unit heavy, uh, but yeah, so they've still got some work to do on it in that regard. But I think, directly, you're right. It does need more. It does need more content now, and now is the time for them to start thinking about releasing a DLC. I think.
0: Yeah, I think this is a big issue with the way they release it. I don't, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes for them for it to be pushed out like that. But I mean, it was delayed
1: once, I guess, so they kind of felt the pressure to release. They had to. Yeah, I, I, that's the impression that I got. I think they had to because it was already delayed. It had been in development for a long time. And, you know, they only really announced it when it was almost ready. And then, yeah, it got pushed back. So I, I think they had to. And, you know, it's just, it's just the way that the economics of the games industry work, unfortunately. That, you know, they, they have a lot of people investing money into the games and they need to see a return on the investment. It's unfortunate. It just means that because they don't do early access... Like, tactic made this point, and it was a good point. I think if they'd released it as an early access or in-development game, I think people would have been a lot less hostile. I think releasing that product as a finished game felt a little bit like a slap in the face, you know, and... especially in the first couple of months it was really really shaky however they've definitely fixed it up um it's it is the game that it was supposed to be on launch at this point and it's only you know i mean it's taken them nearly nearly a year but it's getting you know it's getting to that point i think give it another year that game's going to be in a really good place and they'll have, hopefully they'll have put out some more content um hopefully they'll put out some more races because i know people are clamoring for more races and you know just some more stuff to differentiate the races would be nice i think um so anyway i think that Distant Worlds Two is is predictably improving, and it is going to be a good game eventually, I think, providing that that kind of gameplay loop is the sort of thing that you like. It seems to very much favour the automation style method of play, and a lot of the details that were in there from the original game are either they're kind of still there, but they're sort of superfluous, or they're you know the players sort of it's it's like you can see them, but you're not really supposed to touch them. That bugs me a little bit about the game design i'll be honest like what's for example what's the point of having the the colony i was talking to a guy on das tactics forums and i was saying did anybody notice that the resources in the game don't really seem to matter that much like you never really seem to run out of any apart from caslon and he was like oh well you know if you tried disabling the automation on the colony uh, on the on the individual colony stock levels you'll soon run out and i was like why would i do that then <laughs> It's like if I have to if I have to turn off the setting of automation in order to make the game more difficult for myself. Like what? <laughs> What's the point of it being there? That just proves my point. The, the 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 resource system in the game is it's just a little bit too. I don't know. I want to like it. It and I like watching it. You know the simulation run the ant colony doing its thing. But I don't feel like the scarcity is there that was in the original Distant Worlds universe where you could set the game up so that it was much more difficult to find the things that you needed. Uh, With some of the reduction in options that you've got in Distant Worlds 2, now, like you can't have like a large sector but with a small amount of stars in it. Or like, do you remember you used to be able to do that? Like you could have like a a huge map space but actually sparsely populated with stars and then set the game so that the colony limits were kind of longer. So you had to actually work to make every one of those colonies work. It doesn't really seem to be so much of a thing in Distant Worlds 2, at least from what I've played so far. So I don't know. It kind of feels like some of the game has been has been reduced in complexity.
0: Yeah, um, this is kind of my problem. Um, I bought what Distant Worlds won in 2014, I believe. I mean, I think, I can't remember it was one or two expansions. I think I, I I sort of didn't get into it until the third expansion, so whenever that was. But uh, it just feels we've kind of taken a step back, and on top of that, it's not that much different than the original game i've been playing for eight years right so i'm just not feeling motivated to play it really um oh, that's a real shame, i know i know i've always said oh i just want a, a distant worlds with a good ui which is the biggest issue we playing the original now but i think if i could play the original without faffing about <laughs> i'd still think i'd go back to the original and I, I don't think the 3d has added anything really and i don't think the I think the gameplay loop is actually currently worse than the original as well. So
1: the 3d has added one thing and that's pathfinding issues. Like one thing I noticed that that if you jump, I I had the event where the hive ship turns up, uh, you know, they, they, you get this like massive kind of horrible organic carrier thing that turns up and just starts attacking your colonies. And it's really strong. Um, and i i'd managed to build up enough defensive bases around my planet i was smart enough and i just i'd forgotten about this whole event as well and i was like oh god i've only got one fleet it was this new fleet of fancy ships i'd spent ages designing so i was like right i don't really want to lose these guys but i'm going to lose my home world if i don't do this so that was fun i sent these ships in and they landed on the other side of my home world to where the hive was right so then they all like went path found path round their way round the planet and attacked the thing in dribs and drabs and, ho- and like several of them got destroyed where if they, i know if they'd have attacked it all in one i wouldn't have lost any ships because it was kind of tied up with the defensive bases so it's a little it's little things like that i know it sounds like a small gripe but that actually the pathfinding problems in the game really det- are detrimental to one of the game's core features that is way better than distant worlds universe and that is the combat in the game like the combat in Distant Worlds 2 is undeniably better. And anybody who says it's not, I'm really, I'm just not agreeing with you on that because I just think that the the combat in Distant Worlds 1 universe was janky, <laughs> really, really janky. It was really bizarre the way that it worked. And it there was like most of the best mods for Distant Worlds universe seem to do things to kind of make combat better, like bacon mod and all that kind of stuff. So I think this, I, I like Distant Worlds 2's combat. The thing is you have to micromanage the your ships quite carefully if you want to get the best out of them and not everyone's into that whereas i don't mind I'm, I'm quite happy to sort of play it like an rts and pause it and you know give the ships individual orders but i think a lot of people don't really like doing that and the, and the general design of the game doesn't really push you in that way to play in that way because it doesn't give you some of the tools that you need you know like queuing manual orders up
0: well i mean one of the main things i used to do even in uh, this world's universe is sort of pick a staging point for my fleet, so they come in at the right place and together, so you don't have the you don't have the problem where you if you just warp to the planet and you're coming from behind it, then yeah, that would happen. So what I always do is sort of warp them just outside the system, get together, and send them in, so I can actually hit the target correctly from the right angles and stuff.
1: Right, and there's a command to do that now as well. So there's you know you have got a command. So I can't remember if this is in the original game or not, but it's basically. Form up and then attack. Okay, the problem is that the what that what will happen is when you when you try to attack uh, an enemy fleet, it picks the central. I think it pick the game picks the central point around where the fleet is, and then there's a there's a there is a modifier based on your hyperdrive type, which will determine how far out you will actually end up jumping to. So look i'm willing to accept that if that's a tactical thing that we need I'm, I'm just not doing right you know like i was dumb because i made them attack this fleet and they just jumped in and kind of got picked off in dribs and drabs that was my bad tactics There, yeah, that's fine I'm, I'm happy to to get better at the game yeah um i i just think that there are uh, it's not just an issue with the way that they jump you know where they a- arrive and move in it's kind of the way that the ships passwind around each other when they're when they're kind of fighting um yeah, it's just sometimes they don't really. What you want them to do is to be turning and doing broadsides and that kind of thing. And sometimes they'll just kind of fly up and then just turn around slowly. You know, it's just I don't know. It's it's not great, but it, it's not it's not that bad either. It's definitely better than Distant Worlds Universe still because that was a mess. Uh, the combat in that game and it's one of the things that I really wanted to like about Distant Worlds Universe, but just found really hard to.
0: Right. Well, seeing we've Rabier on for so long, Sean 2020, 2022... What did you uh, play and enjoy the most?
2: I was just thinking when we were talking about the Daz 2022 games thing, I kind of liked how he went off and did games I enjoyed in 2022 instead of like the games that launched in 2022 because it, it opens it up more to yes. just whatever you were playing that was fun. And I was like, I like that, mostly because I've played bugger all this year that launched in 2022. And I feel hypocritical doing this because I, when we were talking about get
1: 20, the game of 2022 in the... Exploraminate uh, Discord chat, I was kind of saying, no, I think we need to stick, <laughs> you know, completely just to games that were released this year. The problem is that there weren't that many games that were re- released in a good state, so we really limited what we could pick from. I don't think we've even picked one yet, have we?
2: No, still going back and forth. I think I voted Bannerlord just for a laugh, but um, I think at this moment, the front runner is Total War Warhammer 3. You see, th- okay, right. Here's my problem with
1: that choice. Total War Warhammer 3 on its own without Immortal Empires... You know, which is all the other game DLC added, including the the past two games, isn't actually that good. I wouldn't pick that as a game of a game of the year. I think that the state, especially the state you released in, it's definitely it's picked up. But the Realm of Chaos game, you'll play it a few times, and then you start getting pissed off with it. It's not that great. I think I thought it was better than some of the people did, but I don't think I played it as much as some of the people who were really complaining. And now I've played it a bit more. Yeah, I, I see. the the problems with that campaign is you can play it a few times through but it's really not a sandbox thing which is what people want in you know in warhammer 3 uh, in total war warhammer Uh, nathan from great book of grudges has talked about this a lot i'd go and watch his videos if you want to see really good analysis of why that game you know that campaign just didn't hit the mark for most people you know obviously people at legends of total war as well but um however if we're talking about immortal empires that is a very good game and it's the best total war game in my opinion I, I know there's going to be people who like the historical games who are always going to be oh, but medieval 2 the best one yeah i don't care about that i don't agree <laughs> I, I think warhammer 3 to, with immortal empires is the best total war game it's just the most interesting one of the lot it's just got the most options so many different factions so many different legendary lords rob was talking about this you know he, he he's not even played it a huge amount but even he sees like he said that he's blown away by you know like the, the amount of options that you get. And I've played it enough now to be able to say that Immortal Empires is really, really good. They've they've really thought about it carefully. Uh, they've started polishing it up. So if we're going to accept a game that is essentially 10 years of development and had two previous games going into it, then yeah, I guess, is it a 2023 release? I guess technically. <laughs> Same with Banalord. I mean, Banalord's been out for like two, three years now. So. Oh, that's
2: right. It was an early access. Yeah, I forgot about that.
1: It's just weird, isn't it? Because early access really throws these kind of like game of the year things out because it's like, do we include early access games? And when do we include them? Do we include them when they first hit early access? Or do we include them when they hit release? Uh, You know, do we have an early access game of the year and a normal game of the year? I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, it's made the whole game of the year thing a little bit irrelevant.
2: It gets a little confusing too, because then you have to sort them out and you have to be like, oh, is this, is this, just released is it still early access how long has it been in early access when did it launch like uh, it makes it hard to keep track of when everything actually came out to to figure it out according to these metrics Uh, and it was funny as well to see Daz tactic put
1: gladius on his game of the year again (laughs) i just i know that it's it it did technically have dlcs out um and the DLCs have been pretty good right but well, I, I don't know, like I think it's a bit of a stretch now saying <laughs> it's the game of the year for twenty twenty three. However, I, I, I did understand his reasoning behind that and he's right. Gladius continues to be an excellent game. It's really, really good. We regularly see people new people popping up on our server saying hey wow we've I've just got gladius man it's such a great game and it's just like yep we told you <laughs> been trying to tell you for ages uh it's, it's definitely one of the best games that i've played in years and uh, it just goes from strength to strength as well i've had a little bit of time to play with the adeptus uh, adeptus sororitus sisters of battle whatever they're called female space marines and uh yeah it's good it's another fun dlc uh, I don't know how different it is to some of the others. I haven't really played it deeply enough yet to be able to tell how, like, what its quirk is because all of the other DLC factions have all seem quite different. I haven't quite figured that one yet. I don't know, Sean, if you've had a look
2: at it yet. Uh, I've played a little of it. I was playing through a game with my brother, actually, and, ah, damn, I can't remember what their mechanic was now. It's, I don't know. They sort of feel like people were saying they play really similar to the Space Marines, and I don't think that's quite right, but it sort of feels like... Somewhere between the Space Marines and the Astra Militarum. Uh, they're, not, they're not as tanky and tough as Space Marines, but they're not as, they as—they don't rely on numbers as much as the Astra Militarum. And I've only played a few hours, a couple of hours, I think, with them so far. But I also played uh, them on Battle Sectors to get an idea of what their kit was about. Because I haven't really, I've never really had anything to do with the tabletop, so I don't really know much about what they actually have. But I don't know. I, I think they're still. It, they do enough different to stand on their own but they are in a lot of ways somewhat similar to existing factions i think i, I don't want to say
1: this with my hand on my heart because i don't know i've not finished a game with them yet if they're not that different this will be the first dlc i think that they've added for gladius where it feels like they're just kind of adding it just for the sake of completeness rather than because they're trying to add some new game mechanics in what do you reckon
2: maybe yeah i don't know well the, see it's still like it's a human faction but they're not a vastly different human faction, I guess, because you know, like you've got the admec, they're all about machines and cybernetics and that kind of thing. And then you've got space marines or space marines and then Astro Militarum, like the guard, they're like regular soldiers. And all three of those played incredibly differently, especially uh
1: AdMec. It's like really, really challenging. I found those a really, really difficult faction when I had a go with them. Uh and you know, Imperial Guard are quite difficult at first as well. They play so differently to the Space Marines. And the space moons play so differently to uh, the Astromid obviously. So it's just, it's kind of, a, it's it's weird that they've added this sort of faction that seems to be sort of like halfway to, through. But um, yeah, I invite people who've played it a little bit more to, to ponder on what, you know, the differences that are there and whether, you know, what do they bring new to the table? That's the only kind of question that I've I kind of got about Sister battle there.
2: Yeah, I need to spend more time to definitively say one way or the other. It's just that's sort of the initial impression that I've got. So, yeah, I will play with it some more and get a better idea of what they're about. Are you still playing Gladius at all, Drexie? Was it ever your game or?
0: I did get into it. And then what What came along? Something came along that distracted me. I'm definitely going to play it this week. I've, like I said, I've got some time off. And uh, I haven't bought the DLC yet and I don't think I need to buy the DLC yet because <laughs> I haven't played half the races in that game. But yeah, it's definitely the game that I want to play this week and also sort of prepare me for Zephon, which will be one of the games I'm looking forward to the most in uh, 2023.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, let's we should do that. I think because I know you really like playing... All, all of us here quite like multiplayer games. And I think Gladius is a really good one because... It's kind of got like a halfway sort of ego system when you play with other people. You all get to take your moves at the same time, and then you watch the AI turns play through. And it's just so flask to play. Uh, I've been playing it with Richard, Richard York and Sean, uh, and it just, man, I tell you, it's just one of the, it's one of the most fun tactics games that I've played. I, I see it more as a tactics game than a 4X, really. It kind of is like a 4X, but it's just such a strange Calling it a 4X is a bit odd. I mean, it's it's nothing like Civilization. And it's nothing like Master of Magic <laughs> um, so, or, or you know Master of Orion or any of those kind of classic 4X games. However, uh, it definitely is more of a 4X than... Well, it's midway between Tactics and 4X, really. It's kind of um, a sort of a midpoint, really. It is, yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of close to something like Old World. I don't know if you played Old World, but Old World, Combat kind of is a little bit like Gladius in the, in the way that it's kind of one unit per tile and, uh, you know, you have these kind of interesting combat mechanics where each unit interacts with one another in an interesting way, you know, with terrain and that kind of stuff, but nothing does it like Gladius. Gladius is, you know, that is the core gameplay of Gladius. It's, the, you know, how the terrain interacts with each unit, how all the different damage types interact with different armors. You've got kind of, you, uh, It's like I say, it, it's almost like a turn-based version of the RTS formula in, in that, you know, you've got this kind of rock, paper, scissors thing going on. Yeah, I just think, I think Gladius is an exemplary game. It really is. And uh, I'm, I'm pleased to see that it's it's still selling well. And there was a, they had a big sale on recently. So I think we had a big influx of people who were coming in on the server and talking about it. So yeah,
2: excellent stuff. Well, speaking of Gladius and Zephon, maybe we should talk about what we're looking forward to this year since we're already in 2023. What do you reckon? Yeah, sounds like a
1: plan. So uh, yeah, Zephon. Right. Okay. I I didn't actually do much research on Zephon. I've kind of. This is really bad for a. You know. Oh god, I hate calling myself a games journalist because it's such a tainted, tainted title at this point. But you know, for somebody who basically does games reviews and should be keeping their finger on the pulse, I'm pretty bad at it. And Rob pointed this out the other day, <laughs> he was like, I can't believe we've got so many people in Exploraminate who claim to be Forex fans that don't know about half the games that are coming out. And I think part of the issue is I don't like to spoil things. <laughs> so I haven't really looked a whole lot at what's in Zephon. I'm just trusting Proxy, right, to get this right. And I think that, you know, yeah, we've been stung before by games developers and we, you know, we've, we've all got our tales of woe when it comes to expectations and hype
0: you had on you wasn't involved in the interview was you with them
1: no i didn't uh, and i i i did listen to some of it back but i i didn't listen to all of it cuz again i kind of didn't want to spoil it too much but um i have done a little bit of research since and man i like what i see with that game it does look like it's a proper forex this time and seeing how proxy approach uh, a real forex game you know with real forex mechanics and the and the full depth of the gamut of gameplay that you get with a forex yeah, I'm intrigued, man. What do you reckon? I think it's probably my top game for I'm looking forward
0: to for 2023. And saying that, there's so many good games coming. As long as they come out in 2020. Yeah. There's just so many good games coming, but I think Zephon is gonna be the top of my list. That's kind of why I wanna get into Gladius. I wanna I wanna actually give that a good run before it comes out. So <laughs> Well
1: Gladius is always gonna be there and it's like what uh, as we were sort of hinting at before you don't need any of the dlc to to, for gladius to be good so you can just add bits and pieces as you want to kind of experience more stuff gladius will always be a good game even if zephon's a complete flop it's going to be a great game and i I actually think that this is going to be a game that we might be able to get sean into as well um, on the forex side of things because it will be close i i expect that it will be familiar enough with gladius that somebody who enjoyed that game will probably be able to transition into playing you know slightly more strategic oriented game let's say you know uh, you know the sort of grand strategy side of things which I, I believe that zephon is trying to kind of come from come out more than just a pure tactics game you know with with sort of 4x elements so i think like, I, I i'm interested to see how sean would take to this one because i do think this is going to be a game where he, he might feel some familiarity
2: yeah i think if if the combat and the like the if the core mechanics present in Gladius are in any way similar to how they're implemented in Zephon, then I'm very keen to check it out. I mean, I don't know if it'll be completely my jam, but uh, I'm very keen to at least give it a go, find out what it's about. As I find now, I, I have a bunch of 4X games that I own. I just haven't spent much time with them because they seem to require a lot more of a time commitment than I can really afford to give them at the moment. So if, I don't know. If, I think if the gameplay is tight like with Gladius and it's something that really sucks me in, then, yeah, I would definitely be keen to spend some time with it and get to know it.
0: Uh, I'll just go through a couple games, really. I've got my wish list. I'm looking on Steam. Um, I mean, (laughs) a bunch of hooded horse games, like Xenonauts 2, Falling Frontier. Uh, What was the other one? Oh, yeah, Fragile Existence. Those three, uh, again, all games I'm really looking forward to. One that's coming pretty soon, I believe. I can't remember when... Rob said, but the new Spellforce game, which is a game I've kind of always been interested in. I've bought them, but I've never really got into them because they're RTS, but this is actually going to be a turn-based game. And uh, Rob, if you haven't seen it, Rob did a video on it and it's with uh, with the developer, and it's just looking like such a good game. So, yeah, that it's kind of like a... It's got a bit of muscle magic to it, and maybe a lot of new stuff in there. So that's definitely one that's coming hopefully soon. Uh, that I'm looking for too. Else, have I got on my wish list? Uh, for the King Two, of course, which none of you guys have played. The original. Uh, you really-
2: Hang on, I played the first oh, have one.
0: Have you? Oh right, I yeah. thought none of you played that. What did
2: you think of it? Yeah, it was all right. I didn't spend a lot of time with it, but I think I think it's one of those
0: games that's more fun with friends because three of you can play each play a different character. So that's a. That's really fun as well. And of course, you're all playing different classes. So yeah, it's, it's nice little uh, good game to play, Teamworks. Uh, I'd like to know what you think of Field of Glo- uh, Glory Kingdoms, because I did buy the previous one, which I forgot the name of, but I never really got into it. Empires. Right. What's going to be different about Kingdoms, if you know?
1: Uh, I don't know a whole lot about the different game mechanics. However, Field of Glory kingdoms will be set in the medieval era whereas empires was set in the uh you know the classic uh, sorry the ancient era so instead of romans and gauls you're going to be playing with i guess you know french versus the english that kind of stuff it's uh i think the field of glory empires was one of the best grand strategy games i'd ever played it was very much a revolutionary game with regards to certain kinds of game mechanics that it brought in so I'll give you just one example so that you know just to just to give you a teaser of why this was a, was such a good game in your provinces that you that you hold on to right you get resources from them, but there's not like a set number of building types that you could construct you know like assets that you could construct in your in your uh, in your regions uh you didn't have like a list that you could just pick from that were unlocked with technology. The way that it worked was that it was randomized and it kind of represented certain opportunities coming up that you could kind of capitalize on so you got like a you got like a random handful of buildings that you could choose from that you could actually put into your you know into each territory that you took and if you didn't like the ones you got you could spend a few turns and then kind of re-roll it obviously you didn't want to do that too much because while you're not producing anything you know you're sort of losing out and it was so addictive because obviously you know there's a bit of a thing with random rewards so when you when you when you pick uh let's say i don't know you 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 have a territory that produces a certain kind of uh, I don't know, it's, I can't remember what it was, something like wine. And then you might have had the opportunity the next turn in one of the other territories to be able to to produce something that actually increased your wine output or increased the ability for you to make money from that, uh, you know, like a modifier building. It became so fun, like trying to work out what to build. Like I've never been interested really in placing buildings down in games. Like after Master of Orion 2, <laughs> just, just like, God, I'm sick of this. But that was really, really good fun. That was like a core part of the gameplay. Uh, the other thing was despite the whole confusing about people thinking that you needed field of glory uh two to play it with the actual combat system in the game is really good it's simple it's quite simplistic in the way that it presents itself but uh you, you really had to think carefully about your army composition and the terrain that you were fighting in because that was critical and so yeah just taking the whole field of glory two integration out of it the the combat system in that game was also really really good like it was very thematic you could hold a mountain pass with just a small number of troops against vastly, vastly superior armies for ages if they didn't attack you with the right stuff, right? So, you know, you could you really play with the tactics of the game. And if you were like a small empire that just wasn't very, you know, very powerful, if you played in the right way, you could really leverage a tall build plate style, and it just had the cool stuff in, like Pontus had pirates, so you could do engage in piracy to make money at the start of the game. Just, it, it was just a fantastic, fantastic game that was just so revolutionary. And I just feel like the community kind of missed it somehow. I think Daz was discussing this, and he
0: was saying because the whole enabling uh, to integrate the battles with the the normal Field of Glory two game, it confused a lot of players, and people thought they had to actually have both games to enjoy the game. Which obviously, from what you're saying,
1: isn't the case. No, it, it, they confuse... Like, look, Slytherin, to their credit, made it quite clear. You do not need Field of Glory to play this. The problem is that because people are trained to need all the DLC, Yeah. So you get people, you know, who they'll buy a new game, they'll buy all the DLC even before they try the base game. I think that a lot of people were reluctant to buy a game where they felt that they needed another full price game in order to enjoy, you know, even though I think Field of Glory came with a discount when it was actually released. Uh, They they felt that they were missing out on a core component. I think that was a real mistake. I don't think they should have. I think that they should have made a much less big thing about the integration of that game because I guarantee you that hurt sales. And I think that if they hadn't, people you know like the actual core, like i say the the core game combat in in the age Yard games is pretty good anyway but particularly in field of glory empires it was really really good for you know just for a, a hands-off kind of you know initiate combat watch it go kind of like dominions it's really good it's just works really well you get feedback on what you know you did right and wrong uh it's exciting to watch There was enough randomization that that you could have surprises but you know, it wasn't so random that you just lose ridiculous battles and for no reason. It was just perfect, like almost perfect. So I, I really feel that that hurt the game in a big way. Uh, there's other things that that game did really well as well. Like it killed it, it it fixed the whole problem of, uh, you know, like late game grand strategy 4x lag, where you had this kind of decadence mechanic where the bigger you got. If you if you got your empire too big too quickly, it caused this problem called decadence. And decadence started building up. And if you didn't take act action to kind of mitigate it through like, you know, you've got to stop expanding for a bit, you've got to take time to build up your build, happiness of the people, you've got to integrate people culturally, because that was a big thing. If you didn't if you had this massive empire full of different cultures, then it created a whole lot of problems. And eventually the game would set you into this new mode where it'd be like, right. You into this kind of decadent empire mode now, and you've got a whole load of new new options and challenges. And eventually, it gets to a certain point, and it will fragment, and then you have a civil war. And then, but you get to continue playing as one of the splinter groups. It's just fantastic. I've never ever seen anything like that in a, in a game before. It's, I don't think that's even really in the Paradox games, unless I'm very much mistaken. So it's just, yeah, actually, I guess it is. It's kind of in Crusader Kings and stuff, but it's such a great game. And I like just talking about it, it makes me want to go and play it. It was also a really good multiplayer game as well so let's move on but i I think that yeah field of glory kingdoms if it's even half as good as field of glory empires it's going to be good i just hope people don't get hung up again on this whole oh do i need you know field of glory 2 to play it no you don't in fact i'd recommend you don't just don't bother (laughs) it was a nice feature but i mean after a couple of games like you just can't do it you might be playing like 10 different battles in a round eventually in the end game you might you know you might have 10 different battles going on you can't hope to play all those in field of glory so Daz was saying i just play the or he just plays the key battles you know that he really wants to focus on in field of glory and then you know leave the rest of them to the kind of automated system but i'd I'd go one step further i'd just say just don't don't bother with the field of glory two integration you don't need it the game's brilliant without it
2: Oh, so I think one of the ones that I'm looking forward to, I don't even, well, I'm hoping it comes out in 2023. It's been TBA for ages. So there was a game that came out in 2022 actually called Regiments, and it was like a single-player war game kind of thing. I think, I think the guy who, it's mostly made by one person, and they sort of went, I think they were originally a modder for war game, one of the war game games, and they just sort of went, I'm going to make my own war game with blackjack and hookers, and then they made Regiments. And it's, it's quite good. So I've been enjoying that. It's it's a bit limited in scope, but you know it makes sense for one person, and it's it's turned out really well. And the and the other wargamey sort of game, well, war game but not war game game that I was looking forward to is Broken Arrow, and that's more of a modern war game kind of thing. Like we're talking Cold War era, maybe like early two thousands. I'm I'm not really sure, but yeah, it's it's yeah, again, yeah. You mean it's not like World War One or World War Two? No. No, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's a modern. It's an
1: it's a Cold War era game, I think, or yeah, maybe like late Cold War era. That looks amazing, by the way. I don't know if you've seen any of the graphics on it and stuff. It, I can't believe a game of that kind of scope has got uh, the production values that that has. Like, it looks amazing.
2: Yeah, it looks wicked. And then like the customization is supposed to be very varied. And then you've got all these different factions and all the like. They seem to have quite a lot of quite a variety of units that are going to be deployed. And it it sort of gives me that. World and conflict kind of feel uh, regiments. I think that was sort of somewhere between war game and world and conflict kind of thing. This feels a bit like that too, which I'm totally down with because it's probably the closest thing we're ever going to get to World and Conflict, which was an awesome game that never ever got a sequel or nothing like it was ever really made again. So yeah, this sort of seems like it's going along that kind of way. So that that's pretty high up my list for what I'm looking forward to this year is one of them. Yeah
1: that's cool like i've i've been kind of getting a taste for war gaming again i mean obviously i'm always playing shadow empire pretty much and but uh, i've kind of gone back and played some more sort of kind of traditional uh computer war games like the john Tillis stuff and yeah I, I just i can really really get into it when i'm in the mood for it i can i can lose afternoons to you know just sitting pushing around these little counters but it's uh i think that modern war gaming stuff there's so many now and there's, there was such a high quality. I kind of get a little bit lost. I mean, it's like, do I play Armored Brigade? Do I, go, do I play Combat Mission? Should I go and play War in the East again? You know, it's like, there's so many. And I, I just kind of, they're all such a time investment as well. I think a lot of those games are games where you'll get a core group of people who only play that game. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And a lot of them are like ex-military people as well. They take them dead seriously. So the communities is usually really cool, um, you know, and, and getting into them, usually finding multiplayer people to play multiplayer with isn't that hard even though there's usually a small pool of people that you kind of like talking to there's usually somebody who's up for playing one of the games with you so that is really really good i just wish i had more time for games like that because to get into a good war game even these you know kind of more modern almost like real-time versions that sean's kind of talking about things like regiments or you know uh war game or all these kind of games even those more sort of modernized real-time versions even those that you need to be able to put some decent hours in to learn all the nuance because they're complex games so yeah i wish i wish i had less time uh, Sorry, i wish i wish i was had less time at work and more time to uh kind of get into those kind of really like proper grognard sort of titles
2: yeah and i can relate to that but i mean that's kind of why i like regiments as opposed to something called war game uh something like war game like it's easier you still have to put time in it to master it, but I found it easier to pick up, and you can kind of figure out the basics on your own without much trouble. Which is which is good for me nowadays because it's like I don't have time to go and read the manuals and spend hours smashing my head against a wall to learn how the game works. If if I can't pick it up and at least model my way through some of it, I'm just going to put it down. And regiments and hopefully Broken Arrow will give me that sort of experience where i can pick it up and at least sort of learn and then build on that and then learn more about it as i go and then eventually master it but yeah i'm going to talk
1: about a different game now uh that's going to be released on steam i think next year or this year which is gal civ 4 and we all had a bit of a look at it i think very very early on this year and uh the i think rob wasn't massively impressed which is kind of you know I'm not that surprised. Rob kind of dunks on every 4X game that comes out now. <laughs> I, don't think, I think he's got to that point where nothing's good enough for him. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. It does seem like that sometimes. Although I think people might level the same criticism at me. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think that I liked what I saw in Gauss Civ 4 originally, but it just felt like it needed more work. Like on, on a looks level, it looked like a brilliant game. Really, really brilliant game. Like it, it's beautiful. The graphics in it were beautiful. I mean, if you go back and play GalSiv Three, the, the you know the character animations in that still are amazing, even now. But GalSiv Four is on a different level entirely. They threw a lot of money at that game, I think. And yeah, Rob was not impressed, and he's put, leveled a lot of criticism at the uh, at you know at Stardock, I guess, over over the the way that it's the way that it is. Um, and yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to say on this one. I haven't really played GalSiv Four. The reason why I brought this up is because I went back and played GalSiv 3 instead, because this is a game that has just also had an update. And kudos to Stardock, right, for, for always, they consistently support their older games years and years on. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we got a Fallen Enchantress update. So like kudos to Brad and, you know, the guys at Stardock, because they really do continually update the game. and They try to make them better. So I played a game through of GalSiv 3 uh, last week when I had some time, and I love it. I just think it's such a good game now. Uh, I know it's had its ups and downs, there are people who still don't like it. Um but it has got a core crew of people who who really do like it and have constantly added, you know, more and more feedback and they've just polished the game and it's it works so f- it's the pacing of the game is almost spot on now, I think. You can play a game of Galsib 3 through probably about 8-10 hours I'd say on a large map, maybe maybe a little bit more than that. That's about right, I think. Maybe it's a little bit longer than that. maybe somewhere like you know twelve fourteen hours, but it used to be a lot longer the early game was a lot slower. I feel that they've the they've added a lot of things to the game now where ships move loads faster so you can move them much quicker. you don't need to micro so much stuff uh what else has improved about it? there's just a lot of features in the game now and I just feel like it's really all come together to the point where the game's actually starting to feel quite tight, and that wasn't that's not something I would have said about Galciv ever uh so I think regardless of what's going on with, with Galsive 4, and I know that they are working to improve uh, Galsif 4 because Brad put out a, you know, a blog post saying that he wants to change things like the combat in the game. But I really do feel that um, if Galsive 4 is anything like Galsif 3, it's going to be a little bit of a weird one for a few years, and then they'll gradually pull it to the point where it's just a really solid game. So any of you who played Galsif 4 and you were impressed or you know, you're kind of waiting for it to kind of, get to a better state I urge you go back and play Gauss 3 now because it's such a great game it's really really good just keep away from all the bloody anthropomorphic characters in it like the squirrels and that <laughs> I, I see why Daz tactic hates those now I do as well have to turn them off every single game you know all the stuff from star control but other than that I think I I actually like all the races in the game I think they interact with them in, with each other in an interesting way they play quite differently yeah I, I get, get there's a lot to like in Gauss 3 and I just wanted to show some love for that particular game because I think that one they've really got it right now.
0: I mean I played a bunch of Galaxy 4 as well and disclaimer I've never really been a fan of uh, Galsith games, to be honest. But I think one... They, I mean, they did some interesting stuff. Stuff like uh, the minor planets where they're basically just feeding your major planets and you don't have to worry about micro in all these planets. There's just like a few core worlds that you have to really worry about. But uh, I don't know, man. I just... Uh, it just feels like a really... It feels like a 10-year-old game with a really pretty coat of paint on top that's how it feels to me i mean maybe because i'm not a fan of gaussive but it, it, yeah it's just just wasn't is not enough for
1: me to enjoy it really but i they had some great ideas so i'll give them that i think it's such a different game to any of the other space 4x games that it throws a lot of people because yeah it, it certainly felt more based on the original civilization at least the original game did and uh, so it is it is very very different but it it plays like a proper 4x and it is one of the, gauss of three particularly I, I can't speak for four i just didn't play it enough but gauss of three it's one of those games that you can play it like peacefully you don't have to be at war with everyone all the time and you know people go on about like oh you know i, I like 4x games but there's too much warfare play gauss of three like you have you still have to maintain a fleet obviously you know, because otherwise people will attack you. But if you play it in the right way and you play with the right kind of factions, you don't have to fight all the time. It's really interesting with all the d- diplomatic intrigue that goes on. So I just think that it's it ticks a lot of boxes for for a good Forex. One thing I will say about Galaxy 4 that I was a bit concerned about, and this is something I've noticed with Stardock a little bit. I feel like that they are taking some of the criticism about Forex genre tropes a little bit too seriously. And they're starting to kind of you know they're starting to sort of take out elements of forex games that they seem to be getting a lot of popular complaints about without really realizing that that's often stuff that people like so for example in gaussive 3 they've got this weird mechanic at the moment which you can turn off thank god where if you defeat an a uh, an ai faction they will offer to, they'll surrender basically but they don't just surrender all their planets just disappear. (laughs) They're gone. And I'm like, what? Who would want that? Like, what? And then apparently, so I'll be asking a few questions like, why would you put this in? Like, because basically it's so immersion breaking because, you know, like I attacked one of my AI rivals and he he wasn't like a huge empire. He was a medium sized empire and he had like seven or eight colonies. I took one colony off him and then the next turn he surrendered and all of uh, seven other or six of his seven planets disappeared and he handed one of them over to the Drengin. And I was like, "What, what? so I don't even get those planets like that and i I thought about it like, why would you do that?" And then I think partly the reason is because one it might be a way to stop the a i factions swallowing one another up too easily. I still think that's a terrible idea. The other thing that I thought that it might be, which some other people seem to agree that it might be, is that it might be a way to stop the end game you know the so called end game grime of having grind of having to chase down every last planet and you know defeat every last person and this is what I'm talking about i like that right i don't want people to take that out of forex games like i like to be able to have the choice you know where the, when to end my game so if i if i want to chase down every damn last ship and every damn last planet i want to do that if i want to go into my game in autistic detail that's my right yeah but what i don't want is a game going ah you, you know game over and then just so i built this massive fleet that took me ages. I was re- like spent ages designing all the ships, trying to make them look cool, you know, which is something nice you can do in Gal 3. I built all this fleet, all these invasion forces, and then one one planet went down. And I was just like, Great, okay, I've got one planet. Now, you know, they'll fight back and I'm gonna we'll have to take the other planets. Nope, they just gave up and all the planets just disappeared in a puff of smoke. Like, what the hell is that? Sounds like that a self-destruct button or something. That's that's wild. <laughs> it's just bizarre and immersion breaking. And but you can, look in, in uh, Stardust Stardex Defense, you can turn it off. And there's an option so that if they surrender, they give the planets to one of their friends. But it's inconsistent because I had it where, what's the uh, uh, blue space woman called? The Altarians, right? (laughs) Sorry, blue space woman. She's the one that kind of looks like she's a human looking character with blue skin. She kind of came to me and said, oh, you've been nice to us, but we've been defeated. So I'm going to give you all our stuff. And then all her planets, like all 12 of them or whatever, disappeared in a puff of smoke, leaving nothing behind. And she didn't give me anything either. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> like, thanks for the love letter, but you could have at least given me a present with it. No. It was just so I don't know if there's they've got bugs or whether, you know, this latest version just needs a bit of balancing work or whatever. But yeah, there's obviously still work to be done. However, you uh just to make it quite clear, you can turn this off. You can make it so the AI just fights the last man, and that's that's how I'll always be playing this game. But i, I brought this point up because I think it's an example of some of the weirder decisions that they've made in Gaelsiv 4. I feel like in trying to please A fan base that are increasingly getting lazy, in my opinion, like it feels like they're kind of going, oh, you know, having to finish my map is too hard. I don't want to do that anymore. I want the I want the game to end when you know, blah blah blah. And it's just like maybe you are playing the wrong genre. (laughs) That's my opinion. It's like, like four X games are kind of war games in a sense. They have a strong war element to them, and I think that. Any any mechanic that that takes away that that strong like you know that main point of the game, which is to kind of conquer the civilizations, if anything that kind of bypasses that, it just seems to be a counterproductive thing. But I'll let you all argue over that. And I know that my views on this are not always that popular. So you know, I know a lot of people really don't like warfare in four X games, and that's fair enough. To me, that's like playing a war game and and not liking war. But there you go.
2: (laughs) See, when I tried Galaxy Four, I think I've put in about fifteen hours, and I came to it as Basically, a complete newcomer to the Galsive series. I think I own, I want to say Galsive 2 on GOG or something. I think I played like an hour of it and then never went back. So I've basically gone into this blind and I didn't mind it. The problems that I had with it are things that are probably not that hard to fix. Like, the I felt like the pacing was not great because you're spending a whole lot of the start of the game just hitting next turn, next turn, next turn, which could be that I'm missing something. I don't know, but this was just like my initial impression. So, I mean, pacing is something they can fix and I believe they said somewhere in a post that started Orca planning to work on that. And then the other one was the planetary management UI. I found that a little bit confusing where I'm trying to figure out like how to assign buildings or how governors work and that kind of thing. But I've gone in blind, so you can't expect to just pick everything up by default that's hard though it's a it's a it is an a, an unintuitive
1: ui a little bit i'd say and the other thing I, I just to support your point sean is that galactic civilizations is a difficult game it's complicated even for a 4x and 4x are complicated games but GalCiv is particularly complicated so i think that you know you did well there if you came went in blind having not played any of the previous titles
2: No, oh, well cool i don't know i didn't think it was Say Endless Space Two's level of I don't know what I'm doing, but it was still a little hard to figure out. I I didn't get on with Endless Space Two at all. I'm just like, what What the fuck is this? I I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, me too. I just I don't like that game really. Yeah, so it wasn't that bad, but it was like I'm sort of just having to muddle around a bit and be like, oh, what happens if I click this? And then you just kind of muddle through it. So yeah, apart from that, I thought it was alright. Like the combat was pretty cool. I liked the modular ship designs. So you can change out all the gear on it, and like once I got about I want to say fifty turns or so in. It started picking up and actually getting somewhere and then I was kind of into it. But yeah, no, overall, I, didn't, I thought I had a pretty decent first impression of it. So, um, um, you know, if they're still committed to working on it, I'm probably just going to leave it for a while longer because I want to see what they can do. Like we know that Stardock have a history of supporting their games for a long time and they'll come out with like some epic update in a year or something like that. So I think when they do that and it's a big deal, I'll probably come back and have another look. Well, I think the big thing for that will be when it comes to Steam. I think the
1: game needs to be in a good, place when it comes to Steam because that will be the the litmus test of whether it you know whether it works or not so yeah uh, I want to ask you guys have you got
2: Interstellar Space Genesis as a game I own it I don't think I've ever played it but I own it and I think I own one of the DLCs for some reason I haven't played it for a
0: while but yeah it's what I have played I actually enjoyed
1: same, uh, but I've never—I don't think I've ever finished a game of it. It never grabbed me enough that I could finish a game. And I think part of it was that I kind of always wanted—I really liked Stars in Shadow, and I found Stars in Shadow to be a better game at the time. However, uh, I feel now that Interstellar Space Genesis has changed significantly. The polish of the game is so much better, and I mean the polish of the game mechanics—not you know—not the surface level. And I keep hearing people tell me, "You've got to play Interstellar Space Genesis now. It's a really, really." You know, it's the definitive Master of Orion 2 successor, all this kind of stuff. Maybe we could get Robin on this as well. and We could perhaps play that for a month and then come back and see how we feel about it. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, sounds like a good idea. I definitely, definitely give me an excuse to pick it up again. Because like I said, I did enjoy that game. I just haven't played it for a while. And I know there's been quite a few patches since I last played. So yeah, perfect excuse to play again
1: yep there's been a few patches there's been a couple of dlc as well i think uh, since it was released let me just have a look at this actually uh yeah they had natural law and then evolving empires that was it uh, Daz was saying that he felt that evolving empires didn't add a whole lot but what it did add made the game really good and uh, that's i'm happy to buy a dlc right if it if it has enough new features in that it kind of just tweaks the game and just makes it a little bit more you know just give it a little bit more depth I, i'm not really into dlc's add core features i really don't like that when games do that so that's one of the reasons why i don't play any of the modern civilization games i just i just feel like Firaxis is kind of taking the piss with them um you know i don't know i know that's not that's a contentious thing as well because who am i to demand that every game should be released in perfect state with all the you know full stuff that was in m- multiple games before i get it i get it but i i feel like the uh the natural lore addition to interstellar space genesis from what i saw added just enough for a relatively cheap price that i just thought it was yeah just like a really nice few extra features for the game so because people keep going on to me about how good this game is now i really really need to go back to it and give it a good go so perhaps we yeah perhaps we can do that and we can come and report in and we'll run it by uh rob and see what he says
2: so, moving more into the RTS film of things, there were actually a couple of big ones I was looking at, and one of them I think you guys are probably more familiar with. Well, one of them was Sanctuary Shattered Sun, which is like a Supreme Commander kind of thing, and the other one was Homeworld 3. So, that was originally due out, I think, in 2022, I think, but then they delayed it. So... I don't know. I'm really, really keen to see what this is. I'm a massive Homeworld fan. I know. I think Ben, you're not real keen on campaigns, but I always really love the Homeworld campaigns. They're really, really well done. I I, I like the the unit synergy and the the way things like how the story's told. And I always found the way that like the presentation of it to be really, really good. Like, there's a it's not really a spoiler, but you know, in Homeworld, the original Homeworld, when the when that Homeworld. Well, their homeworld. The when their homeworld gets destroyed, like the way the guys are talking about it, the, the, you know, like, holy crap, our world's been destroyed. But they almost sound like actual naval people, like, you know, they're trying to keep it professional and maintain composure, that kind of thing. Like, I always found the way that they presented it, considering how old it is now, to be really, really good. And I mean, this is being done by Blackbird Interactive, and their ex, what is it, Relic, and um, they've had they've had prior experience with the Homeworld franchise, so they know what they're doing. So yeah, I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing what happens with this.
1: Yeah, just, a, just a answer to answer something you said as well, I, I actually quite like campaigns in RTS games. Where, you know, uh, I I cut my teeth as a gamer playing things like June Two and uh, the early cam- Command and Conquer games. So uh, it's really with 4X games and stuff that I don't really like campaigns, to be honest. It's more, I, I prefer to play those, you know, as, as sandbox games, but uh, with RTS, like Homeworld's designed to be around that campaign. And uh, I I, in, I enjoyed the little bit of Homeworld that I played. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that too.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, to wrap up, um, we've, we've sort of covered some games that's coming out next year. What do you think about doing a little bit on games that are in early access, but are exiting early access in 2023? Like they're getting their big update. And, the, you know, they'll be at their 1.0, that kind of thing. Uh, any ideas? Which ones? <laughs> well, I was going to say Door Kickers 2. <laughs> well, of course you would. <laughs> That's all you play, isn't it? <laughs> That's, okay, I know I know the, the amount of hours played is going to sound pretty pathetic, but I've put in nearly 90 hours into it in the, in the past year, which is a lot for me. I don't know. It's really fun, man. I love it. And they released these nice meaty updates, and there was a sort of a sneak peek came out in the Discord the other day. They're aiming for—I'm uh, not sure. I think it's like maybe next month that they're hoping to release the final update. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. It seems are you sorry? Here.
1: Are you talking about Door Kickers Two here? Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I missed that. And I think I, I don't think that was clear for the audience either. What you were talking about. Oh, uh, so yeah, this is door, door, door Kickers Two. Is the game that Sean plays all the time?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's just really fun. Uh, it's it's very replayable, and they've got the random mission generator. And there's some really good mods that have come out for it. There's, there's a black powder red earth mod based off like the miniature war game that's come out for it, which is really awesome. So, and it's just. There's so much freedom in how you tackle objectives and stuff. It's it's very, very fun. I, I love it. Yeah. So anyway, in early this year, at some point, it's supposed to be exiting early access. And part of the update for that is I think there's going to be a procedurally generated campaign of some description, just going off the sneak peek. So that's, that's part of it. But it's, they reckon it's supposed to be a massive update and there's going to be at least another playable faction coming out as well with it, as far as I remember. So, yeah, no, that one sounds really cool. Have you guys been playing anything in EA that's supposed to be coming out this year at all? Oh, Terry and Victor. Yeah, I was just about to mention that.
0: Well, at the very start, me and Rob got in quite early and we talked about the um, the pacing of the game. And I still think it's a problem. And I think it was Tortuga Power was talking about on his Single uh, Strategy podcast, that he's he doesn't cover the game uh, on video because the problem is you don't get to the interesting part, which is the space part, until like eighty hours in sixty hours into the game or something. And uh, yeah, I think this is uh, it's a great game, but they need to do they need to do something about it. I, I've like I've, I've said before, I still think it should be more of a turn based game. I think that would help the pacing a lot because you're not just sitting there fast forwarding time waiting for stuff to happen sort of thing so yeah you need to get into space a lot quicker than that man because you're, you're missing like half the game and you have to you have to put such a commitment in and you know what if something goes wrong <laughs> like 30 hours into your game and you never get there
1: <laughs> it's asking too much of a, of the average player to for one playthrough to be that long like it's the only other game that i can remember really playing where the build-up is that slow is distant worlds universe the original and that was more while you were learning it where you know once you'd kind of got your head around it the the early game even if you were working from a pre-light pre-light speed kind of technology level would probably be like three or four hours whereas terran victor's just too it's too slow like i've thought about this one quite a lot and i wondered why it is that i'm not going back to it and I think the main reason is because the, it's so obscure what you're supposed to be doing unless you watch loads and loads of tutorials. So you're you're playing this kind of weird puzzle game where you're you're directing these characters to kind of to kind of get nations to do something. What you're trying to get the nations to do, don't know. And then you're, you're you're you've got this tech tree which is absolutely incomprehensible. None of it seems to make any sense. Like you don't get access to much of it at first. So. The the whole thing is just it's it's very atmospheric in the sense of like we're in this new territory we're being invaded we don't know what to do about it but and this is weird coming from me I like like obscure like difficult to work out games like Shadow Empire but I just I just found that Terra and Victor just felt like guessing a guessing game for me a little bit too much and it's a guessing game that you can kind of lose three or four hours in without realizing that you've lost and that is just a big turn off for me I don't think that that game will be changed in a way that will make it that fun for me to play. And this is what a friend of mine was saying about Distant Worlds 2, by the way. He said the same thing. It's like, I don't think anything that could be done to that game now will actually make it an interesting game for me. And I kind of feel like that with, with Terry and Victor. I think that if they do make any changes that that fix the core issues, it's going to piss off a lot of people who like the game as it is. And, you know, what are you going to do? Remember what happened to Stellaris when they did that?
2: Yeah, it's fair enough.
0: Yeah, I think they're a bit resistant to changing it that's
1: i think that's the main problem really but i don't think they should change it i think they need to keep it as it is now because so many people love it like that but i just i've just accepted that it's probably not for me um it might be one of these games that i get into like years later i finally sit down and go you know what i'm going to work out *Terra and victor the thing is you know with working i don't yeah, it's have just that such much.
0: a time commitment for people like if, if i was like 20 again yeah sure i would have you know gone crazy for that but Yeah, I'm just going to go through a list of a couple games that are in early access, but I'm not sure whether they're coming out in 2023. But I've got just a couple games that um, I've just been going through my Steam, and I'm not sure if these are coming out in 2023, but they are in early access, and I'm looking forward to their full release. Um, Songs of Conquest, which I've played a bit, which is uh, in early access
1: currently. Do you know if that's coming in 2023 or not? uh it probably should it feels like it's kind of it's getting kind there of now.
0: close yeah uh june spice wars is another one which i, I assume can't get into that i can't get into, into that it.
1: i don't know why i've
0: not played it yeah
1: yeah i got i got a copy i got a copy of it but i just i don't know Can't get yeah off. i have it
2: i don't know it feels like it's you liked what's it though didn't you the uh north guard yeah yeah this feels like it's not there yet i i don't I kind of like it. It just feels like it needs more fleshing out. So like, it's supposed to really, uh, if it comes out of early access this year, I think I didn't play Northgard until after it left early access. And it had a, cam- I think, no, it didn't have the campaign yet. I don't think, but I think it, had, it was leaving early access when I got it. So maybe, you know, down the track when it's actually fleshed out more, I think it might be more my jam. Yeah.
1: I like Northgard. I didn't really play it a whole lot. It's not really my kind of thing, but I thought it was nicely designed game. Very interesting take on RTS. Um, you know, quite a chilled out pace. Uh June Spice, I don't know, something annoyed me about it. I'm trying to remember what it was now. I think it was the combat was just really janky. Uh just didn't really feel very good. Maybe something like that. I don't know. I didn't get very far with it anyway. But so yeah, that was our second second podcast on uh 2022 in retrospective and just kind of stuff that we were excited about really for next year and or this year. I still can't believe it's 2023. It still feels like The hell of last year (laughs) i'll put that down to the fact of this uh this present from winnie the pooh that i've got but anyway all right folks thanks everybody for listening in and have a great time i hope you've had a lovely new year and you haven't been full of cold like we have and uh, (laughs) we'll see you next time keep exploring take care